Hello and welcome back to Own Your Truth. This is Brianna Johnson, your hostess. You're currently listening to episode 63 and I have a surprise for all of you today. I have a special guest. Yay! This is my oldest son, Antonio Cook. And Antonio is the proud owner of Ronin Savers. Antonio, welcome to Own Your Truth. Hello. Hello, everyone. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? How old are you and what exactly is Ronin Savers? So I am now 20, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and Ronin Savers is a um, just me, basically, and um, one of my friends. And we are I install accurate replica props so they have functionality. Um, it's a big thing for the Sabre community, but um, we use Profi and CFX and a lot of other technical savvy stuff um, to produce these very accurate and functional uh, lightsabers. Okay. Now, I did have somebody one time, I, I said, hey, my son creates lightsabers. And they go, what? Lifesavers? <laughs> and so, no, I had to, to correct them. We are specifically talking about the props that they would use similar to those in the Star Wars movies. Is that correct? That is correct. So what happens is these companies that are very good at, at machining and this stuff, they design these hilts and model them off of... Um, accurate props that were used in the films and they used math and science to figure out the exact measurements and stuff of these hilts and they can produce them and machine them from either aluminum to, or brass or steel even and um, I can install them depending on how well they've built them or designed them and so it's really cool because these companies are very good at making um, very very accurate props um, a few to name some is Seven Chambers, Roman Props, uh, Corbanth is very good at it and these are all saber companies that started out just like I did and, and just was like I want to build something pretty close to, you know, the movies. And as a kid, I, I used to watch, you know, the behind the scenes for like the prequels and Phantom Menace. And the coolest part was seeing Ewan McGregor to pick out his individual lightsaber because the prop department had made tons of, of um, specific lightsaber hilts and, and different models and stuff. And Ewan McGregor, the actor of Obi-Wan, had picked out his favorite. And I thought it was just, it resonated a lot with me and how, you know, he got to pick out and design his own type of character based on that lightsaber. And so it's really cool to see the company and the community of Star Wars um, kind of come together to make something just as well as seen in the movies. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Okay, so I would like to share a little bit about my memories of you growing up, if you don't mind. I'm not trying to embarrass you. No, that's fine. But I had mentioned on another um, podcast, I talked about you, it was called From Dwarves to Lightsabers. And I talked about how when you boys were growing up, because, you know, there are four of you and you are the oldest and you're one of a set of twins. And um, I, I was thinking about how we couldn't afford Halloween costumes. Um, but Halloween was my favorite holiday. And so I wanted to make sure we were able to like celebrate it to the fullest. And so one of the things we would do is go to these secondhand stores to pick out possible aspects of certain costumes. We'd take it home and we would alter these. Uh, a lot of you boys know how to sew because of this. Um, but I was thinking about how cool that was as your mom being able to see you guys really run with these ideas and concepts and your other brothers did too. But it seems like you took this a step farther and so I don't know, what are your thoughts? What are your memories about that time? I remember trying to like pick out the most effective way to make these costumes like texture and color wise and try to you know, make the best of it, of course. But also like, I think a lot of that, 
the thrifting and, and the, you know, getting as much as you can for the price and stuff actually resonated with me a lot. And I still kind of use that today. I still go and, you know, with saber parts or even costumes and cosplays I do now. It's like, what's the cheapest and most effective way to do this? And what, how can I achieve just as accurate as, you know, someone that buys a $300 Spider-Man suit? I can get it, you know, the same design or whatever for maybe 50 bucks some, somewhere else and still get the same effect. And so it's, it's nice to kind of have that experience because now it's like, I never in a million years thought, you know, these props that I have now are literally almost one-to-one -one scale with the movie props. You know, if I, 10 years ago, would have been like, hey, you're going to have this accurate prop from a movie, let alone, you know, the way to install them and stuff, I'd have been like, dude, you're crazy. What? You wouldn't have, you cannot even hold something that expensive, even talk about something that expensive, you know? And yeah, so, right. So it's been completely almost juxtaposed night and day for you. We go from working and pulling things from thrift shops to you having these really high-end expensive props that you produce on your own. Um, and of course, you're taking bits and pieces from the manufacturer, but you're customizing these based on the customer's preferences. And that includes sound effects, light effects, um, different designs for the hilts. And I, I see these things and I'm just incredibly excited. And, you know, the costume stuff that we started was when you guys were, you know, little grade school. But I even remember you being in high school and you coming to me and saying, Mom, I, I want to you know, share my love of, of Star Wars and costumes mm -hmm. with other people. I just feel so alone. And my suggestion to you was to start a group. Mm -hmm. So what happened with that? So, yeah, um, back when I was younger and I built like with the gallon jugs, I made an Iron Man suit and that kind of spawned for me. I want to keep doing this because I've seen more people do accurate, you know, Iron Man suits and stuff. And that was kind of like the beginning of it. In high school, um, there I was more introduced to the idea that people do cosplay and do dress up as a hobby and as a job. And so I kind of wanted to do that on my own and same way of thrifting and stuff like that. And I had started with like, I think back when we were in North Carolina, uh, Batman versus Superman nightmare suit. And I had like a huge trench coat and I had like an undershirt or that was like Batman oriented. And I had like the gauntlets and I bought like a really cheap like Batman cowl. And it was very kind of cheesy, but that was like the beginning of high school. And then I met with a lot of people that had the same interests and stuff, um, including one of my friends, Kevin. And she always enthuses me to cosplay even now. And it was very, very cool. But then kind of leaning more towards Star Wars, because Star Wars is just coming back. Um, I believe my eighth grade year is when The Force Awakens had just come out. And then The Last Jedi was my sophomore year. And so I got a group together because we were like ripping Last Jedi a new one because that film didn't perceive very well with the fans. And uh, I made this small little group of maybe five or six, and we had just talked about Star Wars. And these are people that I knew liked Star Wars, but I didn't know if they were going to be like compatible as a group. And so later down the road, it kept kind of developing and we kept bringing more people in and we, we'd spar with lightsabers. And they, we bought really bad lightsabers back then. Looking back, <laughs> they were really cheap. That's from Ultra Sabers. They're just installed with a, a single LED and uh, removable, not removable batteries, but rechargeable batteries and stuff. And they'd break, the wires would break. They're very cheap, but you could like beat the heck out of them and be perfectly fine. And so we took that and we escalated a bit more and we started calling ourselves the Ronin Crusaders. And so um, Ronin was supposed to be like an ex-samurai who his master had died and been on his own. And then Crusader was supposed to be like a new wave of um, warriors. And so we took the logo that is Ronin Sabers. Is, it was actually um, 
the Crusader arc is around the balance, the symbol for balance with Star Wars. And so we took, you know, light and dark and we put the Crusader arc around it. And so it kind of made its own logo. And so, and back in the day, we had a lot of people that were like, well, we're not necessarily dark users or light users. We're just going to be, you know, the middle people, just balance. And I think that symbol really recognizes that. And so we ended up having, by the time I graduated, about 20-ish, maybe 30 people in the group total. And we kept getting asked to do stuff like um, choreography and and, um, just show off lightsaber skills or this and that. Um, I was asked by my stagecraft teacher back in the day if we'd be interested in doing like a club of like sword fighting and stuff. And um, he wasn't sure if it was going to pass, but it was a good idea because I could teach people and this and that. And top of, um, you know, teach people lightsaber logo and, and, you know, I guess words and and stuff that they understand. Um, I remember going to... Um, was my junior year or the beginning of my junior year we went to a, a place called dynamic edge here in springfield with just a few of my friends and uh, they taught us a few of the basics that i had already known but they also extended on that and then by the time i think school was just ending or starting i think it was over the summer when it happened when school was just starting a group of my friends kind of just left and we kind of picked our picked it up on our own after that we started teaching ourselves new tricks and stuff like that i remember teaching a lot of a group of my friends, uh, the Obi Annie spin, and um, it's it's very fun. It's also called the Plum Flower. It's um, a very basic type of spin, and all it takes is kind of muscle memory and a lot of practice, and then all of a sudden it snaps and you've got it. But I remember when my friend Jeremy or Colby or any or Nick even didn't know how to do it, and I was one of the only people at the time that that knew it, and so I taught them how to do it, and they taught their friends, and then you know we'd have a Star Wars gathering, and everybody's doing the Obi Annie with their lightsabers they had huh. just bought, and huh. so. Um, yeah, it's a very fun experience. I think the biggest part was uh, my senior year. Um, we had a, a person from student council come up, and the student council member was like, uh, "Hey, we we know you do saber stuff. We were wondering if you could uh, choreography um, or choreograph something for the assembly." And we were very like, "No, this isn't happening. This is <laughs> this isn't real." And so we, um, Colby and I, which Colby at the time um, was very known for lightsaber stuff, and he actually brought him to school very often. At the time, I had just finished my first lightsaber, my first Neopixel lightsaber, which is my Darth Maul um, half. And so it was very, like, I was like, I'm going to use my Darth Maul lightsaber with this new choreography. Mine's going to be one of the brightest lightsabers because the rest of my friends had, you know, single LED ultra sabers, except uh, Colby. Colby had a tri-LED. And so it took us about a month to choreograph everything. And it was a very fun experience. We were trying to do it after school and everybody was kind of busy, but we ended up working it out. And by the time that day happened, which is funny because I think that was the last assembly we had before the schools got shut down. And so um, we had all gotten dressed up and stuff, full lightsaber Jedi gear and stuff. And we had two Jedi and two Sith and we did this full battle and stuff. And it was three minutes long. It was the most like adrenaline packed. And there's over like 2000 people in this this assembly because Nix is very, very big. And so the assembly was like rows and rows of people. And it's funny because before the assembly even started, um, the Nixa uh, theater uh, thing was all sitting together and I was in the front row already in my suit and stuff and as soon as the lights turned off or even as before when they introduced the assembly themselves the Nixa people just started screaming and, and, and stuff like that and I'm like guys 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 you know calming them down but I was actually very nervous because I mean I've done track before in choir and band but I'd never done something like this in an assembly and so um, which it's not really any different but it was just a different part of me you know the nerdy side was like 
it's perfectly fine to do this right. you know go go and do your thing and it was it was awesome like we did it and afterwards it was a huge thing that we ended up being the opening for that assembly and then we just left <laughs> after that we were all just like nope we're just gonna head out and so it was fun very fun i remember watching that video and getting chills and it's really kind of cool because there is like a music voiceover thing going in the background as you guys like take the auditorium floor and everyone is losing their mind everyone is screaming and it's dark and the lightsabers all go on and it's just like this adrenaline rush. Is that video still on your YouTube yeah, channel? Yeah, it is. So what happened, I actually get goosebumps watching it again because I'm like, I, I miss it. Because I haven't actually, because I've been building sabers and stuff, I haven't actually got to, you know, go out and do choreography in a while. But I still go back and watch it. And so, yeah, so the thing was the lights turned off. And as soon as Colby lit his lightsaber, that was when the music cue was supposed to happen. And so, um, of course, Colby was hiding behind the bleachers and I was standing in the theater section. And so when the lights turned off, I was like getting my saber ready because... I accidentally turned it to the wrong font, which fonts are like the certain sounds for sabers and stuff. And so it was a green lightsaber. So I turned it back to blue and stuff and Colby had denied his lightsaber. I made a custom track, soundtrack for that, where I combined Duel of Fates and the Anakin versus Obi-Wan track together. And then I like cut it to be three minutes long. And so um, originally we were trying to do that my lightsaber, because I knew how to code the, uh, the blade style to turn red. And so what I wanted to do was Colby grab my saber and change the color to red after, you know, he defeats me in the choreography, but he decided not to do that. So I was like, okay, but the, the blade style itself could change. But no, it was the coolest thing ever because, yeah, the lights had turned off. Colby came from behind the bleachers, ignited their saber, and then the crowd just erupts. Yeah. And then the music starts and everyone like kind of dies down. And then that's when I got my <clears throat> saber back to the blue color and I ignited it again. And then again, everybody freaks out. And so it was funny because we have like three installments of it. We have me versus Colby in the beginning. And then we have the two other Jedi and Sith join, the, um, me and Nick and then um, Colby and Luke. And then after that, um, <laughs> Luke and Nick end up dying. And then it's just me and Colby right. in the choreography. And then we have this really cool thing. And we actually opted out to have the Sith win for once. And everyone, all the teachers, I got a lot of questions afterwards like, did you want the bad guy to win? And I was like... <laughs> Yes, and so because every every time you know in Disney or whatever you know the good guy always wins. We were like, right. we're gonna have some type of twist, and the school might not like it, but it's gonna be a really cool twist. And so everybody loved it. Everybody, the teachers got tons of praise and um, for me and all the other stuff, and it was it was so so very exciting. Yeah, it was probably. I don't know. It was really intense choreography. And that was the one thing that I noticed too. You know that, you know, I taught all of you boys to dance and I was a dancer in high school and whatnot. But for you guys to see you put together the choreography for that and the 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 people that, you know, died. And I mean, the whole thing was just really, really thought out and I was incredibly impressed. Um, but you guys have done similar stuff too for cosplay things. Isn't it true that sometimes you'll be asked to come for free admission if you guys just perform? Yeah, so uh, theaters and um, oh, some other uh, cosplay events. We had um, Dynamic Edge, which we were doing um, stuff for. They had asked us to do uh, choreography for a, uh, well, just not necessarily a choreography, but they had a booth that they asked us to join with, and we were supposed to teach people like basic lightsaber stuff. And so um, we had brought our lightsabers, we had brought our get-ups and stuff, and we had come over, and I believe it was in Kansas City at the time, and we just teach people and we got, you know, the day to walk around afterwards after our session was over and we, you know, go around the Comic Cons and stuff. I even went to um, Kansas, not Kansas City Con, um, Vision Con 
uh, in Branson just uh, I think my sophomore year with the group of friends and stuff. It was me and Jeremy and, and Colby and Liam. And they had actually, it's funny, they had used my costumes that I had gotten and built up. Um, and I, because they didn't have costumes, they were just good friends of mine. They're like, well, I don't have a costume. I was like, I've got you. No, don't worry about it. And so they had worn my Star Lord um, cosplay that I kind of, you know, makeshift. And then um, I believe Liam, Liam used my Star Lord one. And then Colby had used his Jedi and Sith robes. And so, and I dressed up as Robin and uh, Quicksilver at the time. And so it was very, very nice to get to have that experience. Cause now I want to go to cons even more now, especially with my business is to go there. It'd be very, very nice to go back as a, I guess, again, owner instead of a, I guess, a viewer. Right. And so now you kind of come the full circle, <laughs> you know, the student has now become the master. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the weirdest thing too, is like looking back and I look at, you know, the sabers that we bought and like, I remember looking up, um, sabers that I wanted to buy and like, before Profi came out, um, it was like, this is the top tier. You only had six fonts and, and maybe three colors and, and not smooth swing, just, you know, really abrupt swings. And, and um, the blade wasn't even ignited all the way, you know, just have the base t um, lit um, type LED. And now looking back, it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't buy too much, too many of those sabers because it would have been a waste of money. Because now I'm getting customers that have done that, that have bought, you know, older, older sabers that have been installed. And they're like, I need this upgraded now. And so it's funny because I picked a pretty good time to get into the business and um, of Sabre building. And so, right. uh, but yeah. So you mentioned a few of the costumes that you have. You still enjoy the costume aspect of this. It's not just props. Do you have any idea how many costumes you currently have? Oh, heck. Uh, I know I have three Spider-Man suits that I've collected over the years. Um, I've got probably about eight because I, I make shift some of them and then some of them are, you know, staying. My Robin cosplay stay, the three Spider-Man suits, and then I've got um, uh, Quicksilver and then I did that Batman one, but I kind of took apart that one. I still have the Star-Lord one. I did make a Mandalorian cosplay um, last Halloween and I was very proud about that. I got I was able to purchase a 3D printer through my business. And I was able to 3D print um, helmets and, and armor and stuff and I put on a jumpsuit, which I was actually um, trimmed up a bit because the, the suit itself, the jumpsuit was pretty large. And then, um, yeah, that was the probably the newest addition because the Mandalorian had just come out and I was like, I want to do this. And so, um, but yeah, maybe about eight, I think, um, currently and still building, of course, more. Just out of curiosity, do you still have that dwarf, dwarf costume you made? I, Dominic has the coat to that. So, <laughs> I'll have to ask Dominic. Yeah, I, I believe I have the rest of it, but he has the coat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, too, if uh, you wanted to tell our listeners... Like, because you just started this business officially in November mm -hmm. um, of 2020. What was the defining factor of you deciding to go into business and not just keep this as a hobby? I think it was mainly um, my friend Jeremy. He really enthused me to do this. I kind of, I was like, I'm just going to build savers for my friends and, and, and myself and that'd be it. I'm going to finish my collection and then be done. And Jeremy was like, no, 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 no. You, you could definitely make this way more than you're letting on to be. And I was like, well, I don't think people are going to try, you know, buy from, from you know, at the time, uh, 18, 19 year old. Right. And so um, and so it was very weird to kind of be like, have my first customer and have, you know, outside of my direct friend group or this and that. And so it was very interesting for me to to branch off. But that was probably the moment where like I put myself out there on Etsy and on YouTube and people were like, do you sell these? And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, I did my first commission and it, which, you know, build wise, I've already done the, the hard work. I already knew I took me, 
a few months to learn the coding and the hardware stuff. So when somebody asks me to build something, now it's it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, sure, let me just you know whip something up um, with basic installs. And that's the thing too, is that over the years, I guess not over the years, gosh, it's not been that long. Uh, only over a few months, it's been, the builds have been getting more complex and more um, in depth and harder to do, which is good for me because I'm learning a lot as I go. But the moment that I kind of realized I could actually do this was my first sale back in, I guess, August, August of, of last year, 2020. I got my first guy, he was in California and he was like, I love what you're doing with your sabers. And I just installed my own so far, like no one else's, just, you know, mine and Jeremy's. And he was like, I want, and he saw me on TikTok or something. He had asked me, hey, do you sell these and install them? And I was like, yeah, what are you thinking? And he wanted me to buy his hilt for him and, and then install it and then, you know, ship it out to California. And I was like, I think I can manage that. You know, I can give this a shot. You know, he's investing in me. And he's, I've had a lot of understanding customers that are willing to be like, this is your first time doing this. Like when it comes to new builds and stuff, they're like, this is the first time. If it takes longer, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm just proud to have a product that you've built, which is very, very honoring to me because I haven't had something like that happen before. And so um, that customer in particular, my first one was one that was like, you've never done this for an actual customer before. I'm going to give you some time. And it's funny because um, that just when, of course, the pandemic and stuff, we've been there for a few months. And so buying hilts and parts and stuff was delayed because of shipping and this and that. And so he was very, very patient in that. And that's what kind of jumpstart me into like, I could do this more and, and, and more often because I've had a lot of understanding people. So I know people are going to wonder, since you were talking about your very first one, how many on average do you make now per month? I make about 12 a month now, which is absolutely insane. So the YouTube channel, we've actually had to change it up a bit. Usually um, on the YouTube channel, we have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Monday and Friday are usually like installs or 3D prints, and Wednesdays are our font videos. We demo different fonts and stuff so we, the viewers know what, what different sound fonts they can choose and put on their saber. And so because I've gotten so busy these past few months with 12 a, save, 12 a month or whatever, um, we've had to you know move our schedule around. So we're just doing install videos almost three times a week, which I feel bad because it's, it's almost very repetitive for the customer, you know, certain builds and certain fonts and coding and blade styles. But I mean, the demand is there. So it's, it's like, bear with me, you know? Right. But when you do a reveal, that's actually a customer's lightsaber and they get super excited because they can tell other people, hey, this is my lightsaber. This is on YouTube. This is the guy who made it. Mm -hmm. And this is what it does. Um, and I'm sure that's, that's one of the things that your customers appreciate because no one else is doing that. Yeah, um, actually, they used to do it a while back. Um, I'll kind of go into depth about the story here and how I got into it. Um, but originally, I had watched a YouTuber called Shamim, and um, it was like Shamim Mufasa or something. And he had done installs a long time ago with basic, you know, the older boards before Smooth Swing and before Profi. And I absolutely loved it. I Every time I got off from school, I'd watch an episode and do homework or whatever. And I was like, I'm gonna buy from him an install. And I ended up doing it. I ended up buying well, my first, uh, like, I guess, FX saver with sound from him. And it ended up being like $680 for a Ben Kenobi lightsaber with six fonts. And it was a tri-LED and it was baselet and, and all that jazz. And um, and he actually, later down the road, he had done it for, I had subscribed to him for about a year or two years. And um, he decided, he Profi came out and he was like, it's too much coding, it's not worth it. I'm gonna say goodbye to the Sabre community, I'm gonna go follow other passions, which is completely understandable. And he was very, very, a big influence in the community, the Sabre community. 
And so I was like, from that moment, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. It can't be that hard. I'm going to start with the big leagues. And at the time, Profi was really hard for a lot of people to kind of grasp. There's a big learning curve when it comes to Profi and the coding aspect and the fonts and, and all this stuff. And so I took my senior year, I dedicated eight months to learn everything on Profi. I watched um, hour-long videos from Megtooth Sith um, and on his YouTube channel, and I kept watching them and making sure I understood exactly what was going on. And I'm walking to classes back and forth and watching just snippets just to make sure I understood everything. And I slowly bought, because um, I was working a normal like nine to five job. I was a dishwasher at Fuji here in Springfield. And um, it was like, it wasn't, you know, anybody that works, you know, food, it's like, you don't want to stay here forever. And so I was slowly buying lightsaber parts and kind of investing myself and kind of putting money towards this, you know, maybe big thing, hopefully. And so I finally got all the parts my senior year about, I would say maybe November. And so I started working on it and I got my first like ignition. And um, so the blade lit up and it was on Jeremy's lightsaber and I was, you know, clicking the buttons and stuff and Profi updates every so often, very, very often. And back then it was uh, running 3.6, which had just done like color changing and like styles changing. And it's very, very complex. But I was so excited because when you first turn on your saber, even when you sell a saber and you pick up well, one from me or whatever, the first time you turn it on, there's no experience like it. You literally get so invested in it and it's so, I guess, mystifying. And so I turned it on for the first time building something like that. And it was just so absolutely crazy. And so I ended up building my own, which mine wasn't designed very well. The hilt was an older hilt and it wasn't, you know, as install friendly as, as I'd hoped. And Jeremy's was really, really install friendly. So I ended up building, I think, his um, before mine. I did all the testing and stuff on his before I did mine. And then mine, I was like, this is the final product. And so the eight months of coding and then the hardware, which it's funny, it took me like a month to solder everything because I was just so nervous about it. Now it takes me maybe two hours or even less to just solder a board together and with the full, you know, NeoPixel connector and stuff and battery, which is really cool. And even coding, coding took me, what, eight months to learn. Now it, it's literally maybe an hour of just copying and pasting and making sure everything gets read correctly on the program. And so it's crazy. Then after that, of course, we had the first sale. And then I slowly started getting more and more customers. And it made me very nervous at first because I was like certain requests I've never built before, like removable battery or um, a different style of blades or, or like, you know, a certain hilt I've never done before. And, and so far I have, I've been able to tackle every single one very well. Um, but still, it's, it's very new because now I'm still learning and stuff. And now it comes to the point where I'm a very big face in the community and I get recognized by certain builders. And I think that was one of the biggest... I made it moments. Um, Megtooth Sith had a live video, and I was building my first cross guard. And the customer who was wanting the who had ordered the cross guard from me, which is Kylo Ren's lightsaber, if you didn't know, um, had asked Megtooth Sith about how much you know costs, what you know the build is like. Is it too complicated? And then he mentioned Ronin sabers, and um, he I have like I have the snippet like recorded now on my phone. It has uh, him saying, "Oh, Ronin sabers, yeah, he's a good guy. I tr I trust him. He he'll build your your cross guard." And oh, I absolutely love it. And because um, <laughs> it was, Sith is where I learned um, all my profi stuff. So being recognized by my so-called, you know, teacher or master, it was very, very cool for me. And so, right. um, yeah. And so, and then branching off, I was able to, um, Seven Chambers, uh, machining company I mentioned earlier that produces hilts and stuff, 
reached out to me and was wanting me to kind of, um, I guess not endorse, but just kind of brand ambassador of sorts. Yeah. I kind of be in a brand ambassador for them and kind of represent, um, their products because I had bought one of their lightsabers and I knew all this stuff, you know, cause I'm, I'm nerdy that way. I knew all the specs and how accurate it was. And they put a lot of math into that saber itself. And they made one of the most accurate, um, Luke Skywalker lightsabers from Return of the Jedi. And so I did a whole review video on it and uh, this stuff and that. And they reached out and was like, hey, you did a really good job on that. We're going to send you um, another saber so you can review it. And over the um, past few months, we've gotten one from them. And we just the video came up actually yesterday. Cool. And so um, it's a Voss saber, but you definitely go check it out. But it's, it's very cool because now they're sending me sabers to um, review like I did on the channel because, you know, I have a good following and they respect the quality of video. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, we're running a little bit low on time. I mm-hmm. wanted to try to wrap this up in 30 minutes, but I did want people to know, just for the record, you no longer work in a restaurant setting and you are currently enrolled in one of the technical schools here, but we have already talked about this and you know my stance on paying for education. Uh, it didn't matter to me whether you guys decided to go to college or not, but you decided to give it a go. Um, when you're talking about the lightsabers and everything that that entails, you've had to teach yourself all of the programming, um, the electric work. You are currently enrolled in school for uh, electric engineering and computer. Is that correct? Computer science, yeah. Yeah. So has any of the stuff you've learned at college been able to help you in what you're doing now? Um, bits and pieces of it, more of organization and how to run um, like classes and organization mainly because... With college and stuff, I changed my majors a lot. I only was in there for, um, with, you know, uh, for maybe a month or so the first semester. And I was like, this isn't for me. I had a lot of bad experiences with teachers and, and of course, COVID and the pandemic. It doesn't really do um, justice to the education system because there's a whole lot of, you know, mess in there. And so um, I had a lot more success with my business than I did with college at that point. And so um, for me to kind of choose... Um, kind of my business over college at that point was a really rough decision for um, a student standpoint because I do like learning. I do like education. So it's very hard to do that. But I did learn a lot of organization and stuff and and accountability stuff that I'm going to have to do and move into my business as well, as well as just interaction with people and, and, you know, social settings. Right. um, I ended up changing my major three times. And the last one I changed it to was the computer science, which actually uses the same C++ programming that the Profit Board uses mm-hmm. that I'm using for my business. So it made sense that, you know, I'm learning that as, you know, uh, almost to furthermore get enveloped in my company as well. Right. Um, you currently sell to every state in the continental United States and mm-hmm. you have sold to customers in Mexico and as well as Australia. Do you think that this is going to go even broader than that? I hope I hope so. I think um, what I want to do is become a, a U.S. distributor for Seven Chambers um, eventually. That might be aiming high, but I feel like that's something I want to go to and kind of be like Corbanth or to some type of Saber, you know, company, um, and then I can install some for myself as well as customers and stuff. But yeah, we've had customers all over the globe from Mexico to Australia. We've had now two from Australia and one from Mexico, and then we had people in Canada and, of course, the States. And so the States have been a lot of people from California and New York, um, and then a lot of people from Ohio as well. So That's very cool. So we've gone over our time, but I did want to ask one more question before we finish up. Mm-hmm. You are only 20 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you feel has been significant being so young and having this business um, 
are there challenges in just being 20 that you know you think that maybe if you were a little older you wouldn't have to deal with well i feel like the business itself introduces a lot of challenges to be very responsible and respectable for the customers even if you get rude customers and this and that it's no different than being a server at a restaurant you always got to put on your best foot forward and so it's just a very different type of beast to handle. It's not like school where it's it's up to you and if you fail, it's okay. It's if I fail, you know, the business goes down with me, you know. And so it's a lot of stress, but also it's good stress. It's growing. It's, it's you know, development. It actually made me very courageous. Now that I know that this is, was successful and stuff, it makes me want to go out and do other things and, and try other things that can grow just as much and, so, and be just as successful. And so um, it's very, very, like... I don't really feel like the success. I feel necessarily like humbled by everything. And so it's a very, very nice feeling when it comes to that. And I could definitely understand the humbling things. I mean, with the tea business, it's it's very similar. When we have a really good um, opportunity in our company, it's it's a very humbling thing because, you know, that experience wasn't there before. Um, So it it makes us realize that we've come a long way. And as your mother, I am ridiculously proud of you. You know that I am, as I am all of your brothers, because you are all um, incredibly intelligent and gifted in so many different ways. And it's been a blessing and also humbling to watch you grow and um, become this fantastic entrepreneur, business owner, creative mind. Um, You are now a producer and not just a consumer. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me today. I have been looking forward to this and I know we've been trying to schedule this for probably a month or two, Mm -hmm. but I am so glad that you were able to join me today. Um, any last thoughts or words before we sign off? Um, definitely check out the channel and stuff, Ronin Sabers. Instagram is RoninSabers00. Um, a lot of fun stuff there. Um, and as my YouTubers would know, have a wonderful day and may the force be with you. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will definitely put the links in the description box too. And um, until next time, own your truth. <laughs>